Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Visit the Vendor Process Training Center to enroll in your choice of 55 plus training sessions that will help you and your team avoid fraud, compliance fines, and bad vendor data. Or just sign up to get access to Vendor Process FAQs and to attend weekly drop-in live Q&A sessions. Visit training.deborahrrichardson.com today. The link will be in the show notes. So $2 million questions that I get all the time, and it seems like it should be so easy to answer. They definitely expect me to answer it quickly and easily, but it's really not easy to answer those questions. And what are they? Keep listening. Welcome to episode 227. Two million dollar easy questions I get all the time that are not easy to answer. So January, and I think I've said this before on another podcast, and I think it was on podcast 221 that was published on January 19th uh, of 2023. So a couple months from this podcast uh, recording. And That was titled, or that episode was titled Five Steps to Redesign Your Vendor Process to Avoid Payment Fraud. And I did that in January because January's now are turning out to be the month that I get a lot of calls because that's when accounts payable teams or vendor teams are finding out that they had fraudulent payments during the chaotic, busy month of December. And so they call me and they want to know, um, the first easy question is, what is everyone else doing to prevent fraud? And so I'm just kind of expected to uh, regurgitate two to three easy things that they can put into place and then they will avoid fraud like everyone else. Problem is, is that that's not something that is doable because it really depends on your company, your industry, uh, your the type of vendors that you have, where the vendor process sits and some other factors as well, which is why, again, I published episode 221 because my point with that is, is you really need to look at your entire vendor process to see where the gaps are and then plug those gaps up. That's what everyone else should be doing. That's not what everyone is doing, but what everyone else is doing, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should do that too, or that everyone else should do the same thing that everyone else is doing because everyone is different and 
Everyone may not be doing what they should be doing. They may have just gotten lucky up to this point that they haven't been caught. And so the folks or the teams that actually contact me, what I want to say is they're probably doing what you were doing uh, and will stop doing it when they get caught, just like you just did. That doesn't probably would not go over very well, but it's the absolute truth. Uh, If uh, the phone call is what everyone is doing, um, people are getting caught by that phone call too, especially when it's delegated down to multiple team members because maybe you have a bigger department and not everyone is following uh, the process. If you have a process in place, just having a process to say, make that confirmation call or having a step to say, make that confirmation call is really not good enough. You need a script, you need some documentation, uh, you need to make sure that you know which ones are pending because the vendor is not going to pick up right each time. So there are things around that that you need to make sure it's successful. Uh, so if you they say they have a confirmation call in place, that doesn't mean that it's automatically the best thing for you because you also need to know about those folks that are doing it the right way and they have scripts and other controls around it. The other thing is that maybe they're doing a step or uh, a restriction that you can't do. And a great example is there was uh, one example of a colleague who, if they did not, couldn't make that confirmation call, uh, then they would just not change the banking and not pay the vendor. Now, maybe with their vendor types, their vendor mix, they can do that, but you can't necessarily do that with a strategic vendor where you have to get those inventory items in or your product, right, won't be, won't be shipped. Uh, and so you have to find a way to get, uh, to make everyone happy, right, and get the banking change validated, and then also uh, be able to update the vendor so that you can pay them. Also, you, you have to keep in mind, too, that you just can't not make a bank change. You have to identify, you know, whether, whether or not that vendor needs to uh, be put on payment hold because outside of them being a strategic vendor, you've got to think about the fact that you can't just do nothing because that vendor's banking may have changed. And if you can uh, continue to send banking, that same banking to uh, in your pay file to the bank, uh, that payment is going to either fail or if the vendor has uh, changed their banking but are using the same bank, their bank may go ahead and make the change to the new account number. They'll let you know via notice of change, but they're not going to do that forever. Uh, And at some point, if you don't make that change, then you're going to be looking at a notcha file. So you just can't ignore it because no one will pick up the phone. You have to have additional processes around it because they could be a strategic vendor or the uh, banking could have legitimately changed and you have to make that change in your system else uh, you're going to be looking at failed payments or notcha fines. 
And there can be other scenarios like that too. The point is, is that you can't look at what everyone else is doing, uh, number one, and assume that because they're doing it, that's why they don't have fraud. Uh, And number two, whatever they're doing may not work for your company, your industry, your processes, and maybe not even your accounting system or ERP, depending on what is required in what they are doing which is why I say you need to make sure that you're looking at your entire process from getting in that original inquiry about how do I create a vendor, how do I change a vendor, all the way through to making that change or add in your accounting system or ERP. And so that's something that I do for my clients in a two-week project that I have designed. But you can do the same thing on your own. And I outlined what that process is in episode 221. So make sure you check that out. And especially check that out if you were thinking of calling and going, hey, Deborah, what is everyone else doing to avoid fraud. I'm going to point you right to that podcast episode. All right. So that was the first million dollar question. Now, what is the second million dollar question? Well, that question is, what validations should I be performing for my vendors? And this is another one that uh, team members, vendor team members, accounts payable team members will reach out to their colleagues and ask which ones they should be doing. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. You might find uh, some validations that people are doing that you are not doing that you are supposed to be doing. But it's just like the vendor redesign process. You really need to make sure that you are basing your vendor validations on uh, critical items that are unique to your company. So the first example is based on uh, your company's industry. And I hope I'm saying that the right way. I always kind of get that confused. But for example, if your company uh, or entity is a government entity, uh, local, city, state, county, government, then you've got some additional uh, validations that you need to do to make sure you're not paying vendors that are on specific uh, exclusion lists. So for example, if you are a city, you actually have to check sam.gov and validate against their excluded parties list system. I think that's what it is. The acronym is EPLS, but you have to make sure you're not doing business or paying uh, the federal funds that you're getting from, um, from the government, right? You have to make sure you're not paying that to vendors that have been excluded from receiving federal funds and they're on this list. And so you need to add that. And I do have a lot of um, county, government, city, right, um, local, local and, and uh, state governments, uh, entities that I do business with, with the vendor process redesign. And I always have to add that. Uh, The next one is if you are a healthcare entity, if you're receiving Medicaid, Medicare funds, you have to make sure that you're checking to verify that those vendors have not 
uh, been added to those exclusion lists where they cannot uh, receive Medicaid or Medicare funds, right? And so um, you need to check the Office of Inspector General. They have uh, L-E-I-E, I believe that's what it is, the acronym, but it's a list of entities and individuals, right, that have been excluded from receiving those funds. But if you are not uh, a healthcare entity, then you don't have to do that. If you are not a city, local, state, government entity, then you do not have to check against SAM.gov. So if you're asking uh, those those uh, companies, your colleagues that are in those types of organizations, they're going to tell you that and you're going to think you need to do it and you don't. Or, or let's say you're using a a service like 10check.com and 10check.com, I talk about them all the time. I'm not affiliate. I wish I was, but they offer um, the combined validations like all in one tool. So they will do the IRS 10 match. They will do uh, the watch list. They'll do social security death master file. They'll do a couple other things as well. So you don't have to go to multiple places to do multiple searches. It's like an all in one tool that you can use. Well, they have a list of 42 different watch lists. And I get the question all the time. If one of the watch lists comes up and it's red instead of green, so green is good, red is bad, then they don't know if they have to uh, care whether uh, they get a hit on, let's say the HHS, which is the acronym on uh, 10 check for the Office of Inspector General, right, for that LEIE list, uh, they don't know if it matters to them. And if they're not a healthcare entity, then it doesn't matter to them. And so those are the types of things that you need to make sure that you are uh, um, verifying that your company actually has to perform those validations. Uh, The other thing you need to look at is the country of the vendor, right? So if you are a U.S. entity, and most of my listeners are, uh, and subscribers too, right? So if you're a U.S. entity, then you have to collect either a W-8 or a W-9 from uh, your vendor. Uh, and in all cases, you don't always have to collect it, but best practice is to collect it because in some cases you do. So you have to collect that. And so you're used to hopefully doing the IRS 10 match. But what if the vendor does not have a, uh, a, a tax ID because they're a non-US vendor and they're in a country that has their own taxpayer identification number or uh, business registration number or individual registration number. Uh, not everyone has an IRS tax ID. There are certain circumstances where non-US vendors need to have one, like if they have a treaty claim, but if they don't, then they won't have one. Does that mean that you don't do a validation? That's not what that means. What that means is, is you identify what validations are available or applicable to that country. And then you see if there are resources available to do that validation. Now, I've done that homework for you. I've talked about it before. I have a a file, an Excel file that has global vendor uh, registration numbers in it for 100 plus countries. Some of those resources, you can validate that the number is uh, good. 
other countries, you just have to look at and verify the format is valid because they don't have anywhere to validate that. A great example is a VAT. So uh, countries that require a VAT, that means that there will be tax on uh, that tax on the uh, on your company's uh, invoice or on the invoice that the vendor sends to your company and your company's tax team most likely will uh, file so that they can reclaim those VAT taxes paid. But in order to do that, they need a valid uh, uh, VAT number and that I didn't explain what that is. Most of you probably know, but it is a value added tax. And so it's a sales tax and you can reclaim it, but you have to have that VAT number on file and it has to be valid. So when you are collecting and setting up that vendor, then you want to add a value added tax number. If you're dealing with vendors in countries that have that, And you also want to validate that it is correct. Now, the next person that you ask or colleague that you ask so you can mimic what they're doing, maybe they don't have vendors in those countries. And so they won't tell you anything about that. Right. And so, again, you need to do your own research. Now, this global vendor registration numbers document that I have, it is a paid item. But if you go on my site, Um, And actually, I have a link to it in the show notes. I always have a link to the vendor validation reference list. That is a free list. It has 26 different resources for different uh, pieces of data that you will find uh, either on the IRS W-8 or W-9 or on the vendor's invoice or maybe on the uh, authenticated email that you've received. Um, But you can look at that and that'll give you uh, some links to resources to, uh, to do validations once you've identified what validations you need to do. So When you download that free document um, or when you get access to download the free document on that same page, you can uh, use a coupon to get 25 uh, discount code to get 25% off. And I think it's either $24.99 or $19.99, but you can get that for uh, 25% off if you download the vendor validation reference list first. And that is, uh, there is a link to that in the show notes. So that being said, right, um, it is some differences related to the tax IDs uh, and different registration numbers that vendors can have based on uh, country. And you can also, uh, it can also be different or you can do different validations based on the type of vendor, right? The industry that the vendor is in. So if they are a nonprofit vendor, then you need to do an additional validation that the IRS uh, has that's separate from their 10 match. And I didn't mention it. Hopefully, uh, if you guys are U.S. entities, again, most of my listeners and subscribers are, you are uh, already doing the IRS 10 match when you collect the W-8 or W-9. But if that vendor is also a health or a nonprofit vendor, then you have to check the uh, IRS's uh, exempt, exempt organization select tool 
and verify that that vendor is valid or that that nonprofit or charity is valid. Now, you don't have to do it, but it is a great way to identify one fake charities, right? Because fake charities pop up every time there is any type of disaster. And with the latest uh, earthquakes in, was it Turkey and Syria? There are already fake charities popping up for that. And so you want to make sure that those charities are valid, that the uh, that they are real. And so you want to do that EO Select Check uh, tool search to make sure the IRS has a record of them. And by the way, when you do that, if the uh, IRS shows, they'll show their deductibility status, and it may show that your company, if they're uh, if you're paying them donations, right, that uh, they may be able to use those uh, and deduct those off their taxes. So if we had uh, uh, identified vendors that were 501c3 vendors, we would actually send all of the spend for those vendors for the year to our tax team. And I don't know if they ultimately use them on the uh, company's tax returns or not, but we did use to track those. And so another reason why you need to make sure that creating a unique uh, vendor validation requirements or list for your company because you need to identify these types of uh, uh, criteria that would require different validations because it's not going to be for every vendor. So just like the vendor process redesign, you need to make sure that you are customizing your vendor validations because the validations that one colleague or another company uses may not be the same validations that your company uses. So you need to make sure that you customize that. Now you can start start off um, with the vendor validation reference list that I uh, uh give you at no cost. So that's a free download and just start customizing from there, right? Remove the ones that you don't use. Uh, again, I have six, uh, 26 different resources, but there are actually for 16 different validations. And so I've got multiple validations depending on, um, uh, what ref, uh, resources you want to actually use. For, so for example, if you are using the IRS e-services for validating or doing the IRS 10 match, then you can remove 10match.com because you don't need it. So that's the type of uh, customization in addition to removing the ones that you don't need, uh, removing the validations that you don't need at all. So make sure you customize that list. And after you get done customizing it and someone asks you, well, what validations are you doing? You can tell them what you're doing, but you also need to tell them that they need to figure out if that is sufficient for their company, their industry, the types of vendors that they have, and have a similar response if they ask you what you are doing to avoid fraud. Now, if you want some help with either of those, again, I do have a vendor process redesign that takes two weeks. 
uh, where I'll go through your whole process. I'll process map it. I'll create a new process, desktop procedures, and then train the whole team on it. Uh, make sure you contact me. I will have uh, my email address in the show notes. It's Deborah at DebraRRichardson.com and Deborah is spelled D-E-B-R-A. Uh, or if you would like to have a vendor validation um, session where I will uh, ask you questions about your company and your vendors, and I will customize a uh, that vendor validation reference list for you and perhaps also identify some additional uh, validation resources depending on how you answer the question. Uh, the questionnaire that we go through. So if you would like that, it's actually on the vendor validation download uh, page that you're going to navigate to, to get the free uh, validations download. It'll be a link to, uh, to schedule a vendor validation uh, session. Actually, I'll just put that in the show notes too. And you guys can um, book a session with me. It is a paid session, but it only takes an hour. And uh, the uh, bookings uh, are available as early as the next day. So it doesn't take long to know exactly what validations you need to do and then get a resource reference to do it with. All right. So with that, I want to thank everyone. Um, I hope you enjoyed the 227th episode of Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.